Okay. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I I spoke last week from uh, Ephesians uh, chapter four um, uh, about the way that we learn Christ, about the way that a soul learns Christ, and um, and I'm going to kind of continue with that today. Um, my plan was to go continue with that and to go through the next couple verses as well uh, of Ephesians, but I don't think I'm going to get there. This is too long to do all of it today. I think I'll break some of it up and do some tomorrow. But let me just read uh, from Ephesians 4, 20, 21 again. That's really what we're going to be talking about. And, uh, and we'll just pick up there. It's... Uh, here it is, Ephesians 4.20, But you have not so learned Christ. Remember, he's, he's been talking about the futility of the mind, the darkness of their understanding, uh, basically trying to learn truth or know truth in the futility of the mind. It's, and that, is, uh, that, as he says, is impossible, but he has confidence that these believers in, in Ephesus are, are, are not learning Christ in that way. So he says, but you have not in that way, or you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Last week I tried to make a distinction between two very different ideas about learning Christ. Um, on the one hand, there is... Uh, there's the kind of learning where we experience God in outward senses and outward ways. Uh, and by that I mean we see, we see his creation. We see something magnificent that he's created. We, or we read his words. Or we witness a miracle. Or we experience the sense uh, of, of his power or um, any of these things, even dreams and visions, uh, all of that belongs to a, a category that I would call uh, outward experiences of God. And it's outward because it's not an experience, it's not coming to know Him as life. It's not coming to know Him as your life. It's coming to know Him as something uh, external to yourself. Uh, it's, it's an encounter with God through creation in one way or another. And, uh, and I'm not in any way saying that those things don't happen or those things aren't real. But I was trying to make a, a distinction and show the alternative to that uh, and, and what I believe to be the only way that a soul actually learns Christ uh, is the way that Paul is describing here in Ephesians 4.20. And that is to learn to learn Christ as the very life of your soul, the very life that is in your soul, to learn him and to be taught in him and to find him to be the only life that you actually have. And unfortunately, I think the latter of these two kinds of learnings is, uh, is not nearly as common as the, as the former. Hey, gang. Uh... I mean, it's not that's not taught or explained or or very often considered. I don't think, and uh, and I think that that's really tragic. I think that that's very um, very unfortunate. We have to understand something about learning. This is this is uh, this is difficult to describe. But 
But God has has given us five senses for learning the natural world. I mean, everyone knows that. But these these are senses that we become familiar with even even as babies. Some of you who have had babies have had the experience of watching your kids uh, develop an understanding of their of their senses. Or you know, you you watch your your kids first born and their eyes are crossed and you know, at least mine were. Uh, and uh, you know they can't focus on anything, but over time you start to watch them uh, be able to kind of experience their eyes for the first time, focus on things, watch things move around, see beyond as you know 18 inches or whatever they can see at birth. Or, or fi- I remember uh, some of our kids discovering textures with their fingers, you know, just things that felt different, the dog or whatever carpet. And uh, you know that's kind of neat to watch. But my point is that these babies have have senses that they don't really understand yet, and, and and by using them, they become familiar with them. By exercising them, they learn to discern the realm into which they were found, in, into which they were born, the natural realm. So God has given the natural body these five ways of discerning natural reality. We have sight, we have hearing, taste, taste touch, smell and all of these are used to discover and operate in and abide in and know the natural realm that we that we were naturally born into and so when you are you're born you find yourself in this you find yourself in this creation that is unfamiliar to you but god gave your body the ability to sense and learn the creation so that you can actually abide there. He gave you the ability to learn it, to know it, so that you can actually abide there. I hope maybe you can see where I'm going with this. Each of these senses was given to us by God that we could know and live into the, the, the fullness or the good of what we, what we were born into. But what we fail to understand as Christians is that natural senses have their limitations precisely because they are natural. What I mean is that no matter what sense it is, you're always sensing or hearing or touching or seeing something external to yourself. First of all, it's external to yourself. You're, it's something outside of you. It's not you. It's not part of you. In fact, not only is it external to yourself, but after we've perceived it with our senses, then there's still two steps left before it really becomes in some ways internalized we have to supply understanding to what we have sensed outside of ourselves and then we also have to then apply application we have to make some kind of a personal application so you know in the instance of fire you see it with your eyes your, your senses say that it's pretty it's bright you know or whatever it's hot and then and then you touch it, well, then you understand something about it, and then you make the application to yourself that it's not to be touched. And that's learning about fire. We all let our kids do that. Well, maybe you all don't, but <laughs> we let our kids touch the fire at least once. Um, so I'm not trying to get weird or anything. I'm just trying to make a very simple point. Here's my very simple point. When we're learning natural things, we're learning something that is, first of all, outside of ourselves, Second of all, it leaves us as the one to supply the comprehension and to make the application. 
And what I'm trying to get at through saying that is that, generally speaking, that is how every human being seems to assume, including myself, assumes that we come to know God as well. We're so familiar with that kind of learning without even realizing that we're doing it, we apply that kind of learning to our relationship with God. And that kind of learning is... Uh, almost irrelevant to knowing the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> and, and here's why. You know, you see, you see one of his works. Let's say you see, uh, you see a work that is external to yourself. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a miracle. It could be the Grand Canyon. But we see something that God has done outside of our being and, and, and then we are there as the ones that need to then internalize what we've perceived internalize our experience of God and so what we do is we kind of supply our own understanding and we supply our own application to that and and so for instance if we see somebody that gets healed we then say to ourselves wow now I've seen the power of God this means um, here's the here's the understanding this means that God loves people and then you make some kind of personal application. Therefore, God must love me. Wow. I saw healing. I saw someone raised from the dead or whatever you saw. You know, I saw the clouds parted and, 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 and sunbeam you know, landed on my face or whatever it is you think is a sign from God. And I'm not saying those things aren't often real. Um, but what you've done there is like in this particular case it's not that your conclusions were false it certainly is true that god loves people but you haven't really learned the love of god you don't really know anything you think you have but but it's been your natural observation followed by your natural understanding followed by your natural application and and for that very same reason the next time you see god do something different in a, in a similar circumstance your your what we call our faith which isn't faith at all but our perception of God is shaken. So the next time, let's say it's you that needs to be healed or your child, and then you're praying to the Lord, and this time nothing happens. And so so uh, there you are again as the one trying to understand and apply what you're seeing, and this time your, your conclusions and your application leaves you feeling very unloved. And that will be the way you feel until it changes again. And I say all that for the simple purpose of making a comparison. Learning Christ is not something that happens through these kinds of experiences. It's not like learning or knowing anything else. It's not like knowing your best friend. It's, it's a different kind of knowing. It, it, you cannot know him by watching something he does or by reading something he says. Both of those things whether it's a miracle or, 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 or true words, can point to him. But knowing him is something different. Knowing him takes something that is called faith. And faith is to spiritual reality in Christ what senses are to natural reality in the world. Please, you know, if you can, forget about all of our preconceived definitions of faith for a minute here. I, I'm, I'm not um, talking about faith as, as I would uh, 
suspect many of many of you, and certainly me, learned uh, or, or thought faith was in the past. Uh, if you take sight and smell and ta taste and uh, touch and uh, what's the other one? Hearing, and you add them all together, then you you have you have the natural counterpart that that corresponds to the one magnificent sense called faith. Faith is the fulfillment of all natural senses combined. And, and let me just let me just say again for anyone that's maybe new here or, or um, hasn't hasn't seen this yet. Faith is not is not a belief. It's not your belief about something. Belief is your belief about something. But faith is a soul's perception of spiritual reality and it accesses and experiences that reality in a very uh, concrete, pure, tangible way. Faith is the seeing of him who is unseen, Hebrews 11 says. The hearing of him who speaks from heaven, uh, Hebrews 12 says. The tasting of the goodness of the Lord, the true touching of God. Seeing him face to face, 2 Corinthians 4 says, faith is the spiritual sensation that all natural sensations point to. And what I'm trying to show you is that though God has given us this incredible ability to sense himself, to sense spiritual reality through this thing called faith, most of us still try to access the Lord through natural senses. Most of us still try to learn him and know him through the five natural senses that are only helpful in learning natural things. And so we just read his words with our natural eyes and then we think we've learned something. Or we just try to hear his voice with our natural ears. I mean, even if it's an audible voice. And we think we've learned something. And, and we want to feel his touch on our skin, on our body. We want him to knock us over or heal something that hurts. And, and then we think we've, we've known him. We want to taste his goodness in the natural realm. We feel like we've known him when he provides for a need. More than anything, we want to understand him with our natural mind. And what I'm trying to say is that in all of those ways, we think we're learning Christ. We think that if we experience him with all of these natural senses, then we're actually knowing the Lord. And we're not. Am I saying that God cannot be experienced through the natural five senses? No, I am not saying that. God can obviously, certainly be experienced in and through the natural five senses. That, that's probably happened to all of us numerous times. But no matter how stunning or impacting an encounter with God is in the natural realm, it is an encounter, it is an impact that is upon you. And it doesn't transform your soul and it doesn't teach you the truth. Not in the way that Paul describes here in Ephesians 4. Not being hearing him and being taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Peter experienced that one day, and we've talked about this a bunch of times, but you know, Peter, Peter walked around with Jesus in the realm of the natural senses for, for three and a half years and saw the dead raised and saw healings galore and, and saw miracles and walking on water. He even saw Jesus transfigured before him uh, in, into, uh, who knows exactly what that looked like. 
And yet, and yet uh, when he began to perceive and comprehend something of spiritual reality, Jesus was quick to tell him, flesh and blood had nothing to do with you comprehending this. This was revealed to you of my Father. It was given to you as a reality of faith, he could have said. You see, you have to, you have to understand. I used to diagram this, but I'm, I need to erase that board. But... I used to draw these two, uh, what's it called, a Venn diagram, the two interlocking circles with you in the middle, the one realm that you are, while you're in the body, you are on the earth, but you are also in Christ. And I, I drew sight looking one way. Sight sees one way and faith, faith sees the other way. There's this universe of spiritual life and reality called Christ. All spiritual things are known and experienced as they are found in Him. All things that God has given to man are found in Him and by Him and as Him. And in Him and as Him are the reality of redemption and the reality of truth and love and purpose. And, and it's divided from the first. It's divided from the first man, the first creation, the first covenant. It's divided by the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ doesn't divide time. It doesn't divide B.C. from A.D. It divides two whole universes of reality. One in which your body was born, another in which your soul was born when you were born from above. And sight sees one realm, faith sees the other. Oh God, if we... So many of us think that right now we have faith in God until one day we see Him by sight. It's so much the opposite. Sight is the puny shadow that gives way to greater faith. And faith can see him now. But anyway, that reality, that universe, that life is accessed and learned by faith, not, not by the natural senses that were given to you to abide in a natural creation. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have access by faith into the grace in which we already stand. Unlike natural senses, faith doesn't see something outside of yourself. And even better than that, it doesn't leave you there to figure out the understanding or to make the application. No, that's how we learn natural things with the much, much weaker senses of sight, hearing, taste. Faith comes complete with all three of those. It's like batteries come included. I mean, faith, it's all part of one package. First of all, faith sees something that is not outside of yourself, but actually is the very life that God has put in you through new birth. Second of all, faith comes with the understanding. It doesn't... Seeing by faith is the understanding of the Lord. They're not separate. You don't come up with your own understanding, but rather through faith you come to participate in His understanding. You get the understanding in the faith. And third of all, the application is made to you and not made by you. Truth applies itself 
to your soul. So what faith sees connects you with the substance of what is real. It is the substance, the evidence of what cannot be seen. You see? You see what Hebrews 1, 11, chapter 11, verse 1 is saying there? You can't see it because its sight will never see it. But faith is a far keener sense, a far greater awareness. The gift of faith is the seeing of God face to face in the way that the old covenant saints could never do. Moses longed to see the glory of the Lord, but when the Lord passed before him, he could only see his back. But Paul tells us that this comparison is made in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4, where Paul goes on to say that when the light of Christ shines in our heart, then we have seen the face of Jesus Christ. Faith is the true seeing of God. See, again, I've said this, I'm going to say it again. Most Christians believe that faith is believing in God and that one day sight will see him. That is not true. Faith is the true seeing of God, and sight can never apprehend him. It never could, and it never will. Faith is the far, it is a far greater view, a far greater apprehension, a far greater experience. Sight is the dim shadow of faith. And, and the reason we don't like to hear that, and I know it kind of make, maybe makes you squirm a little bit when you hear that, but that's only because our experience of faith is so minimal that we suppose, we suppose that faith is the shadow of sight. We want sight to take over where faith falls short, and it's exactly the other way around. Faith sees so much more clearly than sight. In fact, sight can become distracting to what faith is seeing. And, and in true view, you would not want it any other way, I promise. I mean, if some, some of you maybe are new to thinking about this or hearing that, you think, no, no, I just want to see Jesus with my eyes. No, 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 you really don't. You don't, don't trade that in. Don't, don't trade in faith that is the true beholding and participating in the truth and reality of God for seeing something outside of yourself that you have to supply the understanding and application to. Don't trade, don't, don't do that. Even if it doesn't, even if faith is a kind of a foreign word to you at this point in the way that I'm describing it, don't, uh, don't do that. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that faith is the true seeing of the Lord. Faith is the true hearing of the Lord. And this is what we talked about last week in, uh, in Ephesians 4, 21, where Paul says, if indeed you have heard him. He's not talking about this kind of hearing. If indeed you have heard him and been taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Can you see Paul's describing the hearing of faith? As he says in Galatians chapter 3 and Romans chapter 10, the hearing of faith. The teaching of faith, spiritual light, spiritual reality, breaking in upon the soul of man. Some of you have heard of maybe maybe have heard of Jonathan Edwards. Uh, 
he, he, if you haven't heard of him, he was, a, he was a famous Puritan preacher and theologian and philosopher in the 1700s. He was, as they call the father of the Great Awakening. Um, he preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Maybe you've heard that one before. Um, he, was, he was, without question, one of the greatest minds that have ever lived in terms of just pure brain matter. I mean, the guy was a genius. Um, he wrote enough books to fill this room. But he became aware at some point, I'm not sure when he wrote this, but he became aware of a different and far greater kind of learning. And he wrote this paper where he described this reality. And uh, it was a sermon, actually. And the sermon, they had everything had a really long title back then. Um, the, the name of this, of the uh, title, and I'm cutting it short because it sounded silly, but it's a divine and supernatural light immediately imparted to the soul by the Spirit of God. And I just want to read you, uh, I want to read you a couple quotes from Jonathan Edwards. He writes, There is such a thing as a spiritual and divine light immediately imparted to the soul by God that is of a different nature from any that is obtained by natural means. The spiritual and divine light does not consist in any impression made upon the imagination. It is no impression upon the mind as though one saw anything with the bodily eyes. It is no imagination or idea of an outward light or glory or any beauty of form or countenance or a visible luster or brightness of any object. Do you like how he writes? It may be thus described, a true sense of the divine excellency of the things revealed in the word of God and a conviction of the truth and reality of them thence arising from such a sight of their divine excellency and glory so that this conviction of their truth is an effect and natural consequence of this sight of their divine glory. He goes on to say, it is rational to suppose that it should be beyond a man's power to obtain this knowledge and light by the mere strength of natural reason. For it is not a thing that belongs to reason to see the beauty and loveliness of spiritual things. It is not a speculative thing, but depends on the sense of the heart. The perceiving of spiritual beauty and excellency no more belongs to reason than it belongs to the sense of feeling to perceive colors or to the power of seeing to perceive the sweetness of food. It is out of reason's province to perceive the beauty or loveliness of anything. Such a perception does not belong to that faculty. Now, that was uh, uh, a little too wordy. He basically just said everything I already said. Uh, <laughs> what he's describing here is faith. He's describing a learning of Christ as God grants the soul a spirit-given awareness and perception that is, that is really greater. It's actually the fulfillment of all natural senses. I mean, it's greater than because it is the, it's what they spoke of. It's what they testified to. And though, you know, maybe I'm belaboring this point, but it's essential to understand. This is, this is like the, the point. It is essential to understand that this is the learning of Christ that Paul is describing in Ephesians 4. This is what he's talking about. 
Though God can be experienced in the flesh, and certainly Paul had numerous experiences of the flesh. Paul was uh, knocked down. I almost said knocked off his horse, but I was corrected by Tim that he was not riding a horse. Uh, he was knocked down by visions and light, and he saw many miracles. But the learning of Christ for him had to do with the growing in faith. So you can experience God in the flesh, but God cannot be approached or learned through any of the natural faculties or through the natural mind. He is approached by faith. He is learned by faith. He is accessed by faith. And the perception of faith is trained and strengthened and enlarged as God reveals his Son in you. There's this verse in Hebrews chapter 5. It says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again about the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only in milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, discerning good and evil here, this, isn't, this, is, this passage isn't talking about being able to determine naughty versus nice. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. This is God's view of good and evil. This is God's view of light and dark. God's view of Christ and Adam, truth and lie. It's the very thing that Adam believed he could, he could learn in the garden. It's the very thing that Adam was, how Adam was deceived into thinking he could be like God by knowing good and evil. But God's comprehension of good and evil is given to you by faith because his spirit working in you grants you that view. So in order for us to discern good and evil, in order for us to know the Lord, we have to grow in faith, which is, again, it is this pure and real view. It is, this, it is this sense, this faculty for knowing the Lord, given to you for the knowing of the Lord. And as, and as a matter of fact, this faculty is not even ours. And what I mean by that is we use it to see the Lord. We use it to hear the word. But when it comes right down to it, faith is actually something given to you of God. In fact, it is a participation in God's view. It's not your better sensing. It's God's perception being granted to you. Can you hear the difference? If you were to, and if this confuses you, uh, then just ignore this part for now. But in, in, in a true understanding, faith is, faith is everything that we've been saying it is. It is this, it is this true spiritual perception of, of reality in Christ precisely because it is really God's perception. It is really God's understanding. It is God's sensing. It is, it is the working in us of his view by his spirit. And so you can call it our faith. You can say my faith is growing, but you can, you can say that because it certainly is working in us. But, but at the same time, you realize that it is, as Scripture says, it is the faith of the Son of God. Now, that has been 
you know, in translation, we, we have, in most modern translations, we have changed that to read faith in the Son of God, when, when uh, more often than not, it is actually the faith of the Son of God or the faith of Christ. In Romans, it is that way, in Galatians, in Revelation, other places. The faith of the Son being granted to you. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Well, the reason that true faith comes complete with understanding and application is because it is God's understanding, it is God's view, it is God's truth being written on your heart. So let me just try to summarize what, I, what I'm saying. First of all, I'm saying that spa space, faith is a spiritual view that works in your soul to bring you to the true perception and realization and knowledge of God. And that, that's, that's kind of the first point. It's a sensing that extends beyond any natural sensing. It's a beholding that is far above all natural senses combined and used to their utmost. So the first thing I'm trying to say here is, is that faith is something totally other than anything that arises out from the natural man. The second thing I'm trying to say here is that that is true because faith is a participation in the mind of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2 has much to say about this. We have the mind of Christ. It is... It is the view that he sees. It is the word that he knows. It is the understanding that he has. It is, it is like God letting you in to his view. God bringing you into the loop, so to speak. There's a psalm, the psalmist said long ago, in his light we see light. And that is exactly correct. And this is all very well communicated in 2 Corinthians. Paul writes, But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And we oftentimes stop reading there and, and think that that's talking about some future thing in, in heaven. And the very next verse says, But God has revealed them to us. But God has... Natural mind has natural eye has not seen, nor natural ear heard, nor has it entered into the natural heart of man what God has prepared, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Now here's the part I want to focus on. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now, look at this last part with me. The Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? In other words, I don't know the deep things of you because I'm not the spirit that is within you. I'm not your spirit. You know, I, you don't know the deep things of me because you're not my spirit. Only you know yourself. And I know myself. People say stuff like that all the time. You don't know what, what I meant by doing that. You're not me. You know, it, you could have said the same thing Paul said. You're not the spirit that's within me. You don't know me. Well, that's, that's Paul's starting point in this argument. Only the spirit, only the spirit of man knows, only the spirit of that man knows that man. 
Nothing external to him is the point. Nothing external to that man really knows that man. Well, then Paul, Paul then draws this parallel with God. He says, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So he's, so he's saying, look, it's the, same, it's the same with God. Nobody external to God can really know him. Only the Spirit of God really knows him. Only the Spirit of God knows the hidden things of God, the deep things of God. This, this stuff that makes God God, the essence, the, you know, the, if you could say it, the guts of God, I mean, the innards, what makes him tick, so to speak. I mean, those are all carnal analogies, but trying to say that the, the reality of God as he is in him versus the appearance of God as he touches the earth. So he says no one knows that except the Spirit of God. And if he would have stopped there, it would have been a pretty depressing way to... to um, in this chapter, you leave thinking, well, then I, I suppose I cannot know God. But then he continues and says, now we have received. What have we received? Not the spirit of the world, but we've received this very spirit from God. We've actually been given the spirit who knows, who's on the inside, who has seen the inner workings, the deep things of God. We've actually done what no man, I mean, God has actually done what no man could possibly do. He's invited us into the loop. He's brought us into himself. He's called us to participate in his knowledge of himself, his understanding of himself. He's brought comprehension, his comprehension, into us. You see, that's... That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 10 where he says, it's not like someone has to go up, someone, I have to go up and get it down from God or go down and bring it up from God, but the word of faith which I preach to you is in you, in your heart. Remember what he says that in Romans chapter 10? It, you're in it. It's in you. You're, it's right there to be revealed. So, it's an amazing thing to, to, uh, to realize that God has put his comprehension inside of you. Now, it's not there apart from the revealing of Christ. I mean, it's there as a fact, but not as an experience, not as a view, until his view overtakes yours, until his faith takes the place of your belief. But it really is. It's God's hearing. It's God's knowing. It's God's seeing. It's God's tasting. It's God's sensing his faith, the faith of the Son of God. We have received the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. God, God gives us Christ as our life, and that is obviously incredible in and of itself. But as though that weren't already unbelievable and unspeakable, he allows us to partake of and experience his knowledge of himself. He brings us into his light. In his light, we see light. What is that light called? It's called faith. It's a pure and perfect view because it is God's pure and perfect view. And the coming of faith works in us something so far superior to anything natural senses can perceive and anything that na the natural mind can believe, believe in. I believe in God. You know, James says, okay, big deal. 
even the demons do and they shudder. Do you have faith? Faith. So this light, this light, we're grafted into his life, but we're also grafted into his light. And this light, it sees with the... With the and I, it's progressive. It works in us progressively. Don't misunderstand me. It, it happens in the renewing of the spirit of the mind. And we're going to get into that verse next week because that's the very next thing Paul says. He says, we are putting off the old man and by the renewing of the spirit of the mind, we are putting on the new. See, what God is, the way God is speaking in Christ, this is actually accomplishing in us the putting off of one man and the putting off of another. And we'll, I'll say more about that next week. But, but, uh, but my point just for now is that, that, that this faith... It's what Paul says, Christ shines the light of the knowledge of the glory of God on the face of Jesus Christ. He shines light in our heart to give us the, the knowledge of him. This is what it means to stare into the face of God. This is what Moses wanted to do, but he couldn't. He was in the wrong covenant. He was under the wrong veil. He was, he was on the wrong mountain. Can you hear what I mean? Moses wanted to look into the face of Jesus Christ in this way. And you and I can. And this is how we learn Christ. This is, this is what it means. So just consider one more time. This is, and I'll stop. I got, I'll do all the rest of this, uh, add the rest of this on to next week's. But uh, just consider this, this verse one more time. Paul says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and been taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just, uh, I ask you again, I ask you for faith, God. I ask you for, not not faith to believe something that's hard to believe. I don't, I'm, I'm not really asking for that. I'm asking you for faith that sees with a pure light. Faith that apprehends that which we have been apprehended by God. Faith, faith that comes to know even as we are known. I ask you for that faith, God, the faith of the Son of God, the faith that, that comprehends and knows and experiences, tastes and smells and walks in and abides in the finished work that God has, has done through the cross of Jesus Christ. A faith that sees the, the truth as it is in Christ and learns to walk there and live there and have our hearts fixed there. Since we have been raised up with Christ, we mind the things which are above, not the things on the earth. Why? For we have died to that, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Why not look? Why not be able to see where we are versus where we were? Well, that's what you've given us in faith, Lord. The ability to abide and walk by faith, not by sight. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name to stir a desire in us to have this kind of faith not a belief system that, that uh, explains the Bible, not a belief system that explains things that we think we uh, have witnessed in the natural realm, not a, not a watertight systematic theology that, uh, that puts you into categories of understanding, but a faith that actually demands that it is not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. A faith that actually puts away one man's view and establishes another's. I ask you, Father, for our fellowship.
for the body of Christ at large, that we would be a people who learn to walk by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.